G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Talking through issues to do with homosexuality in 2011, Bill Muhlenberg, Culture Watch commentator, released his book called Strained Relations, The Challenge of Homosexuality. Well, it, uh, it detailed a whole bunch of things about the militant homosexual agenda and Bill is right on the eve of releasing his brand new book called Dangerous Relations. Dangerous Relations, the threats of homosexuality. We are going to get into some of the details this hour when it comes to these challenges that we're faced here in Australian society with when it comes to sexuality. And Bill Muhlenberg, our guest, will be opening the talkback lines. You can have your say. You'll be able to call us on 1-800-880-0876 if you'd like to participate in this conversation today. But let's welcome our guest. Hello, Bill. Welcome back to 2020. Many thanks for having me again. Bill, let's talk about your new book. It comes on the heels of really what is now part one, Strained Relations, The Challenge of Homosexuality. Uh, book number two is a follow-up from that. It's not necessarily a standalone. You say these two books now go hand in hand. Mm. Yes, yeah, it's uh, been a bit of a labor of love. In fact, going back about some 20 years now, uh, researching both these books, the first one really does lay all the foundational material that you do need to know, just dealing with the common, well, myths, if you will, or objections, you know, is is there really, in fact, uh, 10% of the population that's homosexual? Are they really born that way? Is there, is there really a homosexual gene? Uh, you know, do they really want marriage, or is there another agenda at work here? So that's kind of the the basic stuff that I did lay out in my first book. So I suppose, in one sense, to uh, grab the second book without the first, you won't have all that information, which was well documented. There's over 700 references in that first book, and plenty of it comes directly from the homosexual press or medical scientific journals. So. Um, it just provides the background of what we need to know. If we really d- did believe, for example, that people were born that way and there's maybe 10, 15% of the population in that uh, lifestyle, well, that might change radically how we approach issues like homosexual marriage and adoption rights. But if we know those are not true, as I document, well, then that gives us the, the platform with which to more sensibly discuss the issues, which I do in my second book. Well, Bill, undoubtedly we'll talk about some of those myths that you do uh, address in your books as we go through our conversation today. But as we're laying a a groundwork, I often like to be able to talk about a Christian position when it comes to people who may have an alternate uh, sexuality and the way that the Christian church 
has an open door, open arms approach to anyone who comes through the doors seeking the grace of God, seeking relationship with Jesus Christ. There really isn't a sense, is there, in which the Christian church turns away people with an alternate sexuality, uh, and yet the church is forced to defend uh, these issues of marriage and a biblical approach to sexuality. Uh, Just uh, let's lay some groundwork here as to a Christian approach to these issues. Issues, and you've looked at these for a long time, and I know uh, you have a compassionate approach. How, how do you see things like that? Yeah, so you're quite right to mention this as a starting point. Um, there's really two different things here. On the one hand, the church, I think as Augustine once put it, is like a hospital. It's a great place for anybody who's broken, who's in need, who's sick, who's ill. And of course, the Bible makes it clear we're all spiritually ill, we're all spiritually sick, in fact, we're spiritually dead. We're all born with a orientation away from God to self, to sin, so that can manifest itself in a million different ways, but we're all sinners in need of the grace of God. So that's how the Church should operate. In that sense, yes, it's open to anybody. Anybody who's got any struggles or problems or issues and are looking for help, looking for answers, well, that's why the Christian Church exists. We're there to help, to lead people to Christ, to lead to the wholeness, the restoration, the freedom that comes in Christ. So that can be anybody. Uh, could be a bank robber who wants to get out of his lifestyle, but in terms of sexuality, could be a heterosexual who's having real problems with promiscuity or fornication, adultery, all these things need to be dealt with as well, and the church is there for that person. Of course, the other side of the equation, as you hinted at as well, is the church, like any other group, is, I suppose you could almost say, has a set of rules or boundaries. Uh, It's one thing to say we're open for anybody to present to them the good news of the gospel. It's another thing to take into its membership roles those, for example, who well, you might have somebody who says he claims to be a Christian, but he's living in a, an adulterous relationship or fornicating or whatever. Uh, that obviously is not something that any church should be condoning. In fact, Paul deals with these things in his letters, and he says you must judge these people, warn them, rebuke them. If they don't repent, you actually have to put them out of your fellowship. So it's a fine line. On the one hand, the church is a welcoming place, a place for anybody and all of us to need uh, help, wholeness, healing, restoration, which Christ offers. But on the other hand, there are uh, boundaries. The church affirms the biblical view on marriage as between a man and a woman. It affirms the biblical view on sexuality. Again, a lifelong commitment between a man and a woman. Um, No other legitimate or acceptable forms of sexuality out there, so it doesn't have to be just homosexuality. Anything uh, that deviates from the biblical norm is something that the Church has to be concerned about. So, yeah, it's a, it's a mix, <laughs> trying to get the balance right, being open to anybody, but on the other hand saying, if you do want to come with us, if you do want to fellowship with us, become a member. Of course, there are certain things that uh, the Bible itself makes clear we have to follow if we want to be seen as part of God's people. 
And in all of that, there are going to be those who see the Christian perspective, the churches, as taking a hard-line approach to sexuality. Bill, I want to invite our listeners to be a part of our conversation today. It is a controversial topic we will be discussing. Bill's new book is called Dangerous Relations, The Threat of Homosexuality. You might have an alternative opinion, and you shouldn't feel as though you can't make that opinion here today. Uh, Do you think Christians are doing enough to defend marriage? Uh, How does your church welcome people who struggle with sexuality? And what are your concerns, particularly for children and for young people? Our talkback line is open. You are welcome to call 1-800-880-876. Our talkback line is 1-800-880-876. Bill, when we talk about these sorts of issues, uh, of course, the ramifications of altering the way we do marriage now Uh, brings, as we have discovered, an attack against Christian faith, an attack against uh, what we've come to know as as our freedom, and Mm. an attack against families. Uh, These are especially uh, important issues, aren't they? Well, absolutely. And that, in fact, is a a good part of the subject matter of my second book. So while the first deals with the basic issues, the second is looking more at, okay, given the overwhelming uh, promotion of the homosexual agenda in Western societies over the last 20 years, are there implications for the church, for faith, for freedom, for family? And as I again document, this time with over 500 footnotes, uh, there most certainly are. Um, in fact, I've been warning about this for over 20 years now, saying if we go in this direction, of granting special rights to homosexuals, including marriage and adoption rights, uh, this is not some neutral thing. There will be an uh, impact, a negative impact on everybody else. Uh, and so I've got, for example, about 170 documented examples of Christians especially, but anyone who may question the homosexual agenda, either being fired from his job, uh, being fined, sometimes being thrown in jail or prison, all because they say, I want to stand up to the biblical point of view on this matter, and uh, it's getting very dangerous to do so. Simply to say today you know, that marriage is between a man and a woman can land you in hot water. You can actually lose your job to make that very simple claim, which everybody throughout human history has known, except for the last few decades. Of course marriage is for a man and a woman. There can be no other. But to simply say that today, you can be fined, you can be kicked out of your job, and sometimes you can actually be sent to jail. So that's what my second book is looking at in a whole lot more detail. There are ramifications to all of this. Uh, the idea that, you know, homosexual marriage won't impact you and you don't have to worry about it and churches shouldn't mind, Christians shouldn't get bent out of shape about this. Well, that's simply not true. And, of course, the more honest activists know this is not true. They even say, as I document in my book, we do want to change the institutions of marriage and family. We do want to basically clamp down on the church and its position on this matter. So it's a real worry. Everybody will be impacted one way or another, whether we like it or not. 
Bill, before we start taking some calls, uh, just to talk about the approach you've taken, not only in the current uh, book you're about to release, but in your first book as well. You mentioned uh, 500 uh, footnotes, and uh, I think that was just in one of the books. You've taken an academic approach. You tried to minimise the emotion and uh, bring out the facts and a biblical perspective here. Uh, Just uh, tell us about the approach you've taken for your books. Yeah, well, certainly in my first book, Strained Relations, I actually divided it in half (laughs) to do that very thing. That is, if a non-Christian or a totally secular person just wanted to have access to the data, the social science data, what are the journals saying, what is science, medicine, what are the homosexuals themselves saying, well, the first half of my book looks at all that from a completely secular point of view. There is not one appeal to the Bible or religion or anything else. It's simply looking at the social science data. What is the research? What are the facts? So in that sense, anybody could read the book and, um, you know, decide for themselves what the facts are. But as Christians, of course, we also have a concern, you know, what does the Bible say? What are theological concerns? So the second half of the book actually deals with that. And sadly, you you hinted at before, how is this going to impact the churches? Well, uh, sadly, there are some churches who are caving in completely in this area. They've actually said homosexuality is fine. God made you that way. Um, Yes, you can get married. There can be homosexual pastors and so on. So the second half of the book does look at those issues. All right, what does the Bible say? What is our position as Christians? Uh, is this something we can uh, just en- embrace and accept along with the rest of society, or is this something we have to say, sorry, this goes against the plans of God from Genesis right through to Revelation, and this is not an issue that we can compromise on. So, yeah, that's been how the first book was done. The second is probably in some ways even more so just the secular data. Uh, it has bits and pieces of, uh, you know, Christian thought, but I suppose you could say this one is even more just, all right, what is the evidence? What is the data here? And that's important to get that information out, because sadly, uh, your mainstream media is often not uh, presenting these truths to the general population. And probably not as likely that you'll get too many invitations uh, to talk in mainstream Mm. media in the open way that we're able to talk today. Bill Muhlenberg's our guest. We're talking about his new book called Dangerous Relations, The Threat of Homosexuality. You can have your say. 1-800-880-0876. Our talkback line is open. Let's take some calls. Uh, First of all, David in Mount Waverley. Hello, David. Welcome to 2020. Hello, how are you? Very well, David. What's your contribution to our conversation? I just uh, switched on the radio before and heard what you guys were talking about, and immediately what what came to mind is uh, freedom of speech. We we seem to to not have the the opportunity to just express our opinion, and and um, I mean from the homosexual point of view out there, um, people will say this is what we believe, in. but as soon as somebody has an opinion that's contrary to that, um, it's shut down very quickly. Um, that's the key issue here. It seems that the minority has more power over the majority, and that's slowly, they're slowly starting to bridge that gap. Um, for example, oh, I have friends that, that aren't Christians, but they believe in evolution, and 
they don't believe that uh, homosexuality is correct because according to evolution, it's the survival of the fittest. Now, if you go down that track, um, if, if somebody claims says that they're homosexual and they were born that way, well, evolution teaches to that because it's survival of the fittest. You cannot reproduce. So how did you, how did you get into the year 2014 if you um, believe in evolution? So it's it, it coming... Put Christianity aside, there are other people out there that have the same opinion, yet they're mocked as soon as they give their opinion. For example, if someone... I was watching The Project on TV, and as soon as somebody says something contrary to same-sex marriage, it's ridiculed, it's made a joke of, um, your opinion is not respected. And I just uh, believe that everybody should have the opinion of, hey, I believe in homosexual marriage, or... No, I don't, and everyone should be respected, not ridiculed. That's and that's infiltrating the Christian Church and the political correctness of the world is starting to get into the churches, which is a concern because we are conforming to to these thoughts. Some um, good points in there, David. Uh, what are your thoughts, Bill? Uh, yes, he's uh, quite right. Actually, very perceptive comments, uh, especially the initial ones on the freedom of speech issue. That, in fact, is a good part of what my uh, newest book is all about. We are, in fact, losing our right simply as citizens of a free Western democracy to share our point of view. If it dares go against the common wisdom, which today is that homosexuality is right, it will be appreciated, it will be applauded, it will be celebrated. Anybody who dares to go against that will be shouted down. And, well, I've experienced that countless times myself, but David's point is quite right. What happens in a democracy when a very small minority, as he rightly pointed out, in this case, 2% tops of the entire population, has effectively a stranglehold on the rest of the, the culture, where anybody else who doesn't toe the line and share the homosexualist point of view is uh, either prevented from speaking or punished when they do speak out. As I say, my new book highlights case after case after case, people being fired from their jobs, being fined heavily, uh, being put into jail simply for saying, I don't agree with the homosexual agenda. I think it's not a healthy and a wise lifestyle. I think marriage is to be between a man and a woman, to simply state those very basic things, which everybody until recently basically believed anyway, uh, you can get into a lot of trouble. So this is, again, why I wrote the book, and David is quite right. This is a real threat. Are we going to lose our right to speak? freely in society? Are we going to lose religious freedom? Are we going to lose conscience freedom? You know, um, it's really getting quite scary, and that's why I thought I've got to document all this in a book, because there's just so much of this happening. 2020, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. It's Neil with you on 2020. Bill Muhlenberg, our guest from Culture Watch. His new book is called Dangerous Relations, The Threat of Homosexuality. You might have an alternative opinion to some of those you're hearing today. You're welcome to call us and be a part of our talkback conversation. one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. 0876 Bill, let's take another call. Uh, we've got uh, Mark from Rockhampton. Hello, Mark. Welcome to 2020. G'day. How are you, uh, Bill um, and Neil? Uh, 
Listen, I, I uh, just wanted to say um, a very interesting topic, especially given uh, rec- in, in light of recent um, uh, events happening in the media. Obviously, Ian Thorpe, um, who's, who's prevalent on TV at the moment, uh, have, having come out um, and talking about his uh, sexual orientation. Look, I think um, personally, just, just listening to uh, your recent caller as well, um, look, I don't think the kingdom of God is necessarily a democracy. I think the kingdom of God is a theocracy, and maybe you could expand a bit more on what that means for the listeners, but really when it comes down to it in the last days, um, it really won't matter what people think is right and wrong. What will matter is what God thinks is right and wrong. And I just, um, I think sometimes we as a, a Western democracy in a nation that uh, has, we have a lot of tolerance, um, and that is obviously heavily promoted within our uh, cultures uh, is is to be tolerant um, of all creeds and while that's fine to live in a democracy um, I guess for the Christian it is we we need to maintain an an, an eternal perspective on uh, the day to come when we will stand before God um, who will will be the ultimate judge over us all Um, and I guess that to me is the drive behind each believer to to not not to uh, to stand and judge people, but to to uh, to stand and and to plead with people uh, to turn from their wicked ways. I mean, God talks about uh, you know not accepting homosexuality. Uh, he, he won't stop there. He won't. He, he neither will he accept liars. Uh, he won't accept thieves. Um, he won't accept adulterers. So I think it's really for us as the believers to to uh, look at the world through God's eyes. How does God see them? Obviously, everybody is still on the earth today because God is bestowing grace upon them to continue to live. He's allowing homosexuals to continue to live. He's allowing atheists uh, opportunities to continue to live. And I, and I just think that is God's grace, his common grace upon all believers to allow them to continue in these lives. But he's, he's giving them opportunities to turn from their sin. Interesting thoughts, Mark. Uh, let's get uh, let's hear from Bill on uh, some of those thoughts you've got there. Bill, Bill, are you with us? With uh, probably anything you say. Uh, in fact, you raise issues that we kind of started with at the beginning. On the one hand, again, we have our arms wide open to anybody. We seek to love them, uh, reach out to them, share the truth of the gospel with them. So in that sense, yeah, we don't judge others, we don't condemn others. We say, hey, there's good news. I found it. Uh, as the old saying goes, it's uh, you know like one beggar telling another beggar where they found food. So we can say, yes, God has changed my life dramatically. He set me free from all kinds of uh, entrapments and issues, and he can do the same for you if he wants. But on the other hand, there's what we say, again, not only church boundaries, but social boundaries. Uh, No society can last, of course, if it's open slather on anything. So there are laws. There are, uh, you know, regulations as to what is acceptable. Sadly, in the West today, we're moving more and more from a case where it used to be, uh, well, law can do three things, really. It can prohibit something. uh, It can uh, promote something. Uh, it can, uh, you know, go from a very restrictive position to a very uh, promotional position, and that's really what we've seen here with 
homosexuality. It was prohibited or banned for a long time. Then it was permitted as a kind of a neutral, okay, we'll get rid of the laws and so on. But now it's being actively promoted, and uh, it's always going to be at the expense of others. Churches will suffer, as I write in my new book, Christian, well, anyone, Christian uh, bakers who refuse to bake a cake, say, for a lesbian wedding, or Christian florists, you know, who don't necessarily want to sell uh, flowers for a homosexual wedding. They can be fined. They can lose their job, and that's happening all over the place. So, again, getting this balance right, it, it's tough. We love the individual, but we don't have to love what they're doing. And on a public policy level, governments have every right to think of the common good. So we do that with, say, uh, cigarette smoking, right? We believe it's bad. It's not a good lifestyle choice, so we make it hard on smokers. We do. We uh, have, you know, sin taxes, we call them. We have make it very expensive to buy a pack of cigarettes. Why? Because we're trying to deter the behavior because it's unhealthy. Even passive smoking can harm others. So I would think it makes sense for governments to take a similar approach to high-risk or dangerous sexual practices, and this is certainly the case here. So instead of doing the right thing and trying to deter the behavior, we're you know, doing everything we can to promote it, to celebrate it, and that's where we do get into trouble. The church will uh, increasingly have to take a stand, and that will mean... Uh, uh, confronting the state and its unjust laws. Mark talked about uh, tolerance. Hey, tolerance is a good thing. But when we start to tolerate that which is evil, that which is wrong, uh, that's never helpful. That's never going to end well. So, again, it's a, it's a complex discussion. We need to have the, the love and grace of God on the one hand, but we need His truth, His holiness and righteousness on the other. Mark from Rockhampton, I want to thank you for your input today on 2020. 1-800-880-0876 if you'd like to contribute to our conversation. We're talking with Bill Muhlenberg about his new book, Dangerous Relations, The Threat of Homosexuality. Let's take another call. Wendy is on the Gold Coast. Hello, Wendy. Welcome to 2020. Wendy, are you with us? Oh, yes. Um, I... Yes, I'm sort of um, just quite interesting because I've just been ringing up um, the tribunal about a couple of matters and I've just noticed that um, even on the tribunal um, when you wait to hear which button to press as I've been listening to this conversation, one of the buttons you press is for discrimination so people can ring up for discrimination and I'm just saying that, like, I used to um, teach English or learning to teach English to... This is just getting on to the, um, you know, way people have so much rights. As soon as they come in, the immigrants and the refugees, that's where I was learning and um, learning how to teach English to immigrants and refugees. I'm just saying that's one other aspect of this whole situation. One of the main things I quickly teach them is how to sue for discrimination. And um, So you're saying so that, that it's actually too easy. There's even a button on uh, various lines. Just come in the country. Sure. I'm just saying that's to one set of people. Your mm. rights, your rights, your rights. And I, I'm, I'm ringing up because I was in the library the other day and there's a, a gentleman that's... I've reached out all the time to different people, but he's been homeless for a long time and I'm sure he's receiving an income 
from the government. Um, he may have psychiatric problems or something, but he was. I find these people are always complaining and carrying on and blaming everyone else, and we've got all the rights in the world. And all I said was one word about vagrancy, what happened once upon a time to vagrants. And um, I just mentioned the word, and then he got rose up and said, you know, you can be sued for that. Here he is homeless on the street, an immigrant. Um, so there's certain words that we can use, Wendy, that, uh, that actually are uh, attracting a lot more attention, words like vagrant and uh, now words like homosexual. Bill, what are your thoughts? Yes, well, I think Wendy is raising an important point here. Um, again, this is more the public policy side of things. Um, the claim by many homosexuals that we just want to be free to do our own thing in the privacy of our bedrooms, how does that impact you? If that were true, that would be fine. We wouldn't even be having this discussion. But sadly, it isn't true. It impacts every single one of us, especially as more and more secular Western nations use the law and the courts to uh, promote actively the homosexual agenda. And therefore, whenever you extend special rights to one group, you're taking them away from others. So as Wendy said, the common citizen or the ordinary Christian or churches they are now finding themselves going against the law. They're becoming the enemy of the state. Uh, as she said, the discrimination issue is a big one. Um, you know, the word itself, it sounds, you know, hey, we should all be opposed to discrimination. That's a bad thing. But sadly, the many discrimination commissions and tribunals, they have... Uh, uh, instead of doing what they should be doing with proper discrimination cases, they've really taken it upon themselves to especially push the homosexual agenda. And anyone, again, who dares to criticize, to say something different, to say something contrary, they will be seen as discriminating, as being, uh, you know, subject to uh, the law courts. So that's where it gets quite scary. The same with all the other laws that sound good in theory you know we have equal opportunity commissions anti-vilification laws and so on well that sounds good but what happens when mostly these are being used to target christians to silence believers who dare to speak up the truth of the gospel and to promote a radical homosexual agenda that's what's happening time and time again so in my book i document how people are being dragged to these commissions they're being taken to anti-discrimination courts and so on. And they're being told, you cannot, in public, express your opinion about things like uh, marriage or homosexuality. That is happening more and more all around the Western world. So that is the real scare. I, I'm trying to wake up the church especially and say, hey, this will impact every single one of you. If you our church and a homosexual comes to you and says we'd like to get married here can we do it and your church says well sorry we don't really believe that's proper so we'll give it a miss but there is a church or another group down the road be happy to do it what will often happen the homosexual couple will take this church to the law take them to the tribunals and say they are being discriminated against because of the church policies so every church every christian organization parachurch groups, Christian business, we all have to more and more face these kinds of legal situations. So we need to wake up, <laughs> got to get our heads out of the sand and say, hey, war has been declared. 
the faith is under attack, family is under attack, and uh, nice-sounding laws like anti-discrimination laws can actually be used to harass and target biblical Christians. You're on 2020. Neil Johnson with you. Our special guest this hour, Bill Muhlenberg, whose new book is called Dangerous Relations, The Threat of Homosexuality. Bill, uh, in your book, uh, you take time to talk about not only the things we've covered so far when it comes to uh, discrimination and uh, how free speech is under threat, those sorts of things, but you also uh, look at the effects on families and parenthood and family identity. All of those, you say, will suffer. Yes, I have several chapters on that important issue. Again, this idea that uh, promotion of homosexuality will not impact anybody else is simply not true. Everybody is impacted, and especially children, and that's the real thing we should be concerned about. Uh, When you get special rights for homosexuals, then you automatically discuss marriage and adoption rights, and then you're talking about depriving children of the two most important people they will ever know, their biological mother and father. So even if we just kept this discussion to the issue of the well-being of the child, uh, this redefinition of marriage and family is tragic. It's actually doing tremendous harm for all those children. It's a new stolen generation. They don't have the right to have their own mother and father. So just from that level, uh, this is a big concern. Let's take another call. Coral is in Cooma. Hello, Coral. Welcome to 2020. Hello. Coral, what's your contribution to our discussion today? Look, uh, I could probably say some things. I wouldn't know them. I'd be very interested to read Bill's books. But the most important thing I can say is this. Thank you for having such a discussion and to have it every so often because um, all sorts of things happen when we're born. I'll just take that angle Look, a little child can be born slightly deformed or slightly brain injured or slightly this, you know, a leg mucked up or anything and no two parents know how to handle that and, and until they wouldn't even be hoping for it But um, if they were loving parents. But if they ended up with a child like that, they, know, they need to know everything that will help them bring the child up or whatever the situation is. And I think it's the same with this. Look, in the past, some of these things, they were silenced to such a level, um, not only homosexuality, but um, lots of things, I think. And so now we've got a society can talk about it. But if we then go on and silence another group of things, it's almost back to the same. Whereas... Uh, this is more or less, I call it a morning tea conversation, a cup of coffee conversation. You mightn't want to talk about it and gossip about it and you know, you might have to be careful who you talk to. But to have the main points brought up on a radio station that anyone can listen to and maybe get extra information and maybe pick their doctor or pick their friend or... It could be inflammatory in a family, so then you've got another angle to look at it. Mm. I mean, there's, there's horrible things happen, and then they can go from bad to worse because um, people do die, and they die from all sorts of things.
And Carol, so- I can hear there's a real level of compassion in what you're saying, uh, yes. that it's good yes. that the issue is out in the open, we can talk about it, and, uh, yes. and I take the compliment too that we can talk about this angle, this dimension, which oftentimes is ignored in the secular media. Bill, your thoughts on Coral's uh, conversational uh, uh, points? Yes, she makes some good uh, points indeed. Uh, Perhaps just two quick replies, if I can. One, the whole idea that we can now freely talk about this. I guess that's part of the whole point of my new book. Uh, How long will we have this freedom? How long before UCB is told by the authorities you cannot have these kind of conversations? You cannot, as they would say, discriminate against a certain minority group. So uh, let's enjoy our freedoms now, but let's be aware that the freedoms may well be uh, coming to a quick end if we're not vigilant. The other point, very quickly, she rightly says that we live in a fallen world. Therefore, people are born with all kinds of less-than-ideal scenarios. You could be born with a missing limb or something. So in that sense, I'm quite happy to concede that, yes, people may be born with a... uh, a proclivity or orientation to a same-sex attraction. That's, again, part of being in a fallen world. But as a Christian, we don't leave it there. We say God has sent his Son to uh, straighten out the results of the fall. So even though people may have an orientation from early on to, say, anger or overeating, uh, if you let Christ deal with that, he can, and he can bring real freedom. So a couple of good points there she raised. Carol, thank you so much for your contribution today here on 2020. Our talkback line is open. You can call us 1-800-880-876. We're talking about Bill Muhlenberg's new book, Dangerous Relations, The Threat of Homosexuality. You might have an alternative opinion. You can tell us what you think. Perhaps uh, that Christians are doing enough or not enough to defend marriage. How does your church welcome people who struggle with sexuality and what what are your concerns for children and young people? The number is one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. If you'd like to contribute to our conversation, uh, Bill, quickly some of the other chapter titles. Uh, one of those ones that uh, you do cover in your new book, the growing problem of the slippery slope. Mm. Uh, this idea that if you open the door, uh, it just gets wider and wider, bigger and bigger, and you've got a snowballing issue. Uh, mm. How does the slippery slope affect this particular issue of uh, of same sex? Yes, well, plenty of people are trying to deny there is such a thing as a slippery slope, but as I document there carefully in in a lot of detail, there sure is. Uh, The simple truth is that when we allowed the homosexual activists to so radically redefine the nature of marriage and family, well, that has simply emboldened plenty of other groups to push their sexual agenda. So we actually have uh, hundreds, thousands. In fact, go to the web, you'll find millions of hits on what's called polyamory, which is group love. Uh, So people are arguing in legal forums and professional journals and all over the web, hey, if two men can get married, you know, we no longer have a gender requirement, why not get rid of the number requirement? Why just two people? What's wrong with three, four, ten people? So there are thousands of groups, polyamory groups, group love, group marriage, saying, hey, our arguments are absolutely identical to the arguments made by the homosexuals. If they can get their way on this by simply saying, oh, it's all about love, and if it's consensual, it doesn't hurt anybody else, well, that applies to group 
marriage. That can apply to incest. That can apply to even more unsavory things, bestiality, pedophilia. We have all these groups arguing their case now boldly because they're happy with the groundwork laid by the homosexual activists. And, Bill, you've taken a little swipe at uh, one of those popular AFL clubs, uh, the Essendon <laughs> Football Club, in the latest article that you're talking about, uh, dealing with this very issue. Mm. Yeah, oh, look, it's, as I say in my article, it really we almost have a cult or a religion of homosexualism. It really has become that. A cult is known for the complete control they have. There is a complete conformity. Every, everybody must adhere to, you know, what the, the group says. There can be no deviation, and we're really getting that way with the whole homosexuality issue. So now the AFL is talking about having a gay pride round, and clubs like Essendon are saying we want to have, uh, you know, we want to do right by our gay supporters and so on. So I wrote an article half tongue-in-cheek saying, well, hey, there's a lot more... Uh, truck drivers out there, a lot more farmers, a lot more, uh, you know, accountants. Why uh, are they being discriminated against? Where is their equality? When are we going to have an accountant pride day or a taxi driver pride day? I mean, it's just foolish that, you know, what does football have to do with homosexuality? But every area of life is being targeted and political correctness is just going mad. So this is a big issue, and it's getting worse. Well, the phone's running hot. We'll take some more calls in just a few moments. Bill Muhlenberg, our guest, we're talking about Bill's new book, Dangerous Relations, The Threat of Homosexuality, one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. our number. Back with more in just a moment. No, I don't want to do this again. You'll do what I say, Clapham. Clapham has an unusual father. A father who makes him steal. I'll distract the clerk. You swipe him. But Clapham also has an unusual friend named Harry. You can't imagine what God has planned for you. He's going to use you to do great things. But this friendship meets the ultimate test when Clapham is forced to steal from Harry's family. Lamplighter Theatre, Saturday afternoons from 4 Western, 5.30 Central and 6 Eastern on Vision. Mitchell is ecstatic about his new hybrid car. It's saving him money at the Bowser and is a positive step towards looking after the environment. What Mitchell doesn't know is that his super is invested in a manufacturing plant that dumps its waste in local waterways. Mitchell isn't with Christian Super. Research shows that responsible investment has comparable returns. Join Christian Super today and make a difference. It's your money. It's your choice. Station-sponsored Christian Super, adding values to money. 2020 on Vision. Neil with you on 2020. Bill Muhlenberg, the author of a new book called Dangerous Relations, The Threat of Homosexuality. We're talking through some of those issues today. Uh, Bill, uh, you tackle a lot of things in the book, and I know it's going to be a resource for people who are sometimes finding themselves in the heat of conversation and even on the receiving end of some pretty uh, bland criticism uh, when it comes to uh, the way that they'll be talking. Uh, people will be uh, talking to them about uh, views on homosexuality. How much can people use your book as something of a resource to actually uh, be prepared for uh, fending off criticisms? Yeah, so that's why I've written the two books. They are filled with over 1,200 footnotes, so it's well documented. You can write a letter to an editor. You can get it on Talkback Radio. You can do a visit to your local parliamentarian instead of simply having, a, say, an emotional case or maybe even just a biblical case, you can also have the data. You can have the facts. Here's the social science evidence. 
it's quite clear. So, yeah, that's why I wrote the books, to be used in that sense. Okay, let's take some more calls. Uh, We'll need to be quick with these calls, but Lynn is in Dunsborough in WA. Hello, Lynn. Welcome to 2020. Oh, good day. Thank you. Uh, God bless you, uh, Bill, for um, going this far. I know it's a dangerous area. Uh, I'd like to uh, just say that, yes, it is to do with Sodom and Gomorrah, and it's to do with uh, kiddie fiddling. It's to do with uh, that is not a nice name. It's something that's been dark and, and, and been going on for a long time with the children, and now it's been brought into in the open. Hallelujah, Jesus Christ is coming soon. So... God bless you. It's good that I can tell the people that it's to do with um, pedophilia, it's to do with all those things, queens in nests. There's all sorts. And let's squeeze it out. Let's let's sort it out. It's not genes. Bill, uh, Bill, what are your thoughts on Lynn's comments? Yes, well, thank you for uh, the word of support. And, uh, yes, we all have to keep speaking out. They're all are various unsavory aspects to all this, and that's part of the discussion and part of what I detail actually in my books as well. So thanks very much. Uh, we're raising one issue there, Bill, and uh, the idea of uh, mentioning homosexuality in the same sentence as you mention words like pedophilia. Mm. Uh, I know that there are people who are very uh, hurt and, uh, and feel as though you're really uh, being very discriminatory when you put those in the same sentence. Uh, what's a fair way to, to look at that? Well, the easiest answer is to say if you go to my first book, I have two whole chapters with uh, probably a hundred footnotes looking at this very issue. The short answer is most homosexuals, of course, are not and don't approve of pedophilia. But there is, sadly, a high proportion, and the research is actually pretty clear. You'll get more cases of this from this small minority group uh, proportionately. So it is a worry. It is a legitimate concern, and it does have to be discussed. So I do give the the data in my first book. Thank you to Lynn in WA. Let's take another call. Illy is also in WA in Perth. Hello. Welcome to 2020. Hi. Yeah. Hi. Hi, Ding. What's your contribution Hi. to our discussion? Okay. Um, I'm a Christian mother of uh, four children, and I absolutely um, agree with the idea of, um, you know, speaking out on uh, behalf of all the Christian brothers and sisters for, you know, standing up for what we believe is the right thing to, 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 to you know, to put it as it is, that homosexuality is um, a sin just like any other sin, and that um, we can't just sit back and do nothing. We have to speak out and um, work together in unity, because I believe that the church should be a force to reckon with in this world because we are on God's side. Thanks, Eli. What are your thoughts, Bill? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, that's, uh, well, Ilya, thank you so much for your uh, contribution to our conversation today. Uh, Bill, I want to uh, end on a, something of a, a gentle note, but also a, a hopefully a high note. When we talk about Christians' attitudes to homosexuality, uh, it's not as though, is it, that uh, Christians are condemnatory in a a finality type of a way, in a, in, in a way that is, uh, it says that there is no hope for you. Mm. Hope for the homosexual community. Do you tackle any of those uh, positive notes in your book? Yes, actually, both of my books, uh, both books have two concluding appendices. 
uh, totaling four different testimonies of ex-homosexuals and lesbians. So there are four powerful, amazing stories of people who were heavily, deeply involved in the homosexual lifestyle for decades, uh, fully immersed in it, but through the grace of God have found deliverance, have found freedom, so that is the note of hope we must end on, and that's how I end both of my books. There are many such people who have left the homosexual lifestyle. They've been set free, and that's exactly what Jesus came to do, to set the captive free. That's why he came, not to leave us trapped in our sinful, dangerous lifestyle, but to give us new life, new hope, and the new relationship with God. So that's the good news. If a homosexual is happy with what he's doing, happy with his lifestyle, hey, I'm not saying anything. I'm not telling you to change. But for those who are concerned, for those who don't want to stay stuck in this uh, same-sex attraction, there is good news. You can change, and that is the truth that everybody needs to hear, but certainly those homosexuals who feel unhappy with their lifestyle and you want to get out, well, you can. Jesus is in the business of transforming lives, and he does so wonderfully, and I know many personal friends who were deeply into the homosexual lifestyle, and now they've been gloriously set free, they're married, they have children. So that's the good news. Jesus is here to save, to redeem, and to set us free. Maybe we're coming back to one of the myths we were talking about earlier, but certainly the homosexual militant lobby doesn't like anyone suggesting that uh, there are people who change. Uh, that's an interesting and uh, important point. Oh, absolutely. They hate it. That's <laughs> the worst thing they could do is say, I once was homosexual, but God has set me free, because that undoes their whole case, their whole idea that we're born this way, we can't help it, it's innate, it's fixed. That is absolutely shattered anytime somebody comes up and says, I once was a homosexual, but now, by the grace of God, I've been gloriously set free, I've been liberated from my chains, and I will testify to the saving power of Christ. That is not something homosexual activists want to hear. The mainstream media certainly doesn't want to hear it. But I'll certainly broadcast it far and wide, and as your earlier caller said, we all have to speak out. We all have to take a stand for truth. We all have to let the good news get out into the broader community. Well, Bill, we have run out of time. I'll point people, the book's title is Dangerous Relations, The Threat of Homosexuality. Bill Muhlenberg, his new book, and Bill, the book in the shops just in the next little while. Thanks so much for being with us today on 2020. All right, many thanks. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.